Welcome to the Emerge Leadership Connection, the podcast that gives you the keys to unlock your heroic potential, develop into a legendary leader, and emerge into who you are meant to be. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Brandy Gilmore, who's a Hall of Fame martial artist, and we discuss the accident that put her in a wheelchair, forcing her to use a walker and cane, and how she utilized the mind to overcome her physical disabilities, and how she today teaches others to do the same. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, founder of the Leadership Guide and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better for my ideas on leadership. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to discover how to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders with the goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofit causes which are currently looking to impact the world and make it better for future generations. Now, on to the show. Hey, Brandy, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Thank you so much, Cody. How are you? I am living life and I am loving life. I'm, I'm super excited. Actually, just because just this is really quick on my mind, I'm, I, life is awesome, but I am super sore right now because I'm excited about this and I'm like half regretting this. I made a recent decision that I'm going to go for a Spartan trifecta this year, which basically <laughs> means a lot of running and a lot of exercise, which I'm not prepared for at all. And my first race is in a month and a half and I'm like I'm nowhere near ready so so this week like literally I signed up for this Sunday and then Monday <laughs> Wednesday and then today I've been working out harder than I've worked out since college and I'm <laughs> super sore right now but I'm so excited because it's it's totally going to be worth it it, you know what it is when you get more and more fit that's I actually just went to the gym earlier this morning and I, I I love working out and lifting weights and just staying in shape it's just like it's something about it you know body mind it just it keeps you strong so I love that and I love that you just said you signed up and said okay let me just do this you know whenever yeah. somebody signs up for something and says okay this is outside of my comfort zone let me step outside this isn't something I normally do and let me just do it. You know, it's just so many people get into routine. So I, I love that. Exactly. And, and I think that's actually a huge problem is so many people get into that set routine. And then when something difficult comes up out of nowhere, it screws everything up for them mentally. And that kind of is like, it, like they can't continue forward. And it's, it's, I think it's a <laughs> problem in our world, especially in the business world, whether it's like something happened in the family, whether it's like it's something happened with your kid's school or um, like the, uh, something with a client just happened out of nowhere and now your whole routine's thrown off and it like it's downhill from there. And when you like you purposely put yourself out of the way to, to get uncomfortable and do things that are not your norm and just break those old habits and start new habits and then break other habits and start new habits here and there. You just kind of like, you're always ready for whatever comes. Exactly. And not only that, but you don't just habitually let your life pass you by, so to speak, where it just, you just fall into the same habit. And I, I love, um, 
you know, I don't know how much you know about uh, my story, but uh, but I was injured for many years, wheelchair, walker, cane, um, morphine, um, just in extreme pain. And once I figured out how to come out of that, uh, one of the things that I did was, you know, I was working on, I had, I mean, I was 5'9 and 5'8, 5'9 and down to like 93 pounds. I was wow. below a size zero. I was nothing. And but when I was like recovering and stuff like that, I started like working out with bodybuilders and then I knew that I like there was these different phases of like, okay, well, I'm going to sign up for this <laughs> and I wasn't quite ready, but it made me get ready, <laughs> you know, it was, it was pacing myself. But I, so I love that you said that you just signed up for it and were like, go for it. I mean, I literally would put myself in aerobics, like after I had gotten to a certain point, I was like, okay this is the next point that's above me. And it was like some aerobics class where you go into those aerobics classes and you, like if you've ever seen them before where mm-hmm. everybody in that class is doing things at the exact time and all of this. And I was still like, you know, coming back from like working on walking without my cane again, working on running. So I was like, I know I don't want to embarrass the, the heck out of myself. And I was like, but I signed up and I was like, okay, well, it, I knew it would make my mind want to get even like faster on board with coordination. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, like um, if, if you're trying to improve yourself in any way, you want to be the, the worst person in the room so that you improve more quickly. Right. Whether it's like you, you want your business to grow quickly. So you get around people who are a bit bigger business or like you want to become better in a relationship. So you find that, people who've had relationships longer than you or you want to become better at faith so you go find a a group of people that have been in the faith and who are who've been uh working on their faith a lot more strongly than you have and it like it's kind of like it picks your boat up much more quickly absolutely and it makes i mean with the right mindset absolutely because you're like okay i I don't want to be if you're somebody who has a mindset that says i don't want to be last place i mean some people they 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 get their mind where it it falls in a place for they don't intentionally get it there but it gets into like a victim mode and so they kind of like get stuck in the last place role and so but if you're if you're definitely somebody who says okay look i want to take my life to the next level and you do you you put yourself in a place that's purposely uncomfortable and go okay let me let me really use this to to fuel myself absolutely so i I did a lot of that like we went from okay first pilates and and when i first did pilates i was like okay well you know coming back from wheelchair walker cane all of that i was like okay pilates isn't easy enough class and when i got in it i was like okay oops (laughs) yeah pilates is not easy at all i know i I I know (laughs) it is not easy it's not easy it is not easy but okay, so I've been uh, I, I'm like Hall of Fame martial arts, been to like nationals competitions all over, everywhere awesome. with martial arts. I love to talk about that because I'm a huge martial arts enthusiast, by the way. I love martial arts and I've been doing martial arts for about 20 years now. So that's I awesome. love it. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love martial arts. And so coming from that, I was like, you know, I mean, I went through my injury and all that I'm like I'll start out with something like Pilates <laughs> and I got it and I'm like okay it looks easier than it really is <laughs> definitely yeah it, 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 I feel like there are so many physical activities out there that are like that like you look at it and you're like oh that can't be that difficult and then you start doing it and you're like what did I do to myself oh my god 
you're like, oh, I have muscles that I didn't realize <laughs> were there. <laughs> yeah, abs absolutely, which, which is fun. I mean, which is fun. What type of martial arts did you do? I did Taekwondo was the vast majority of my martial arts background. I've also done uh, Judo. I've done some Aikido. I'm currently working in Tai Chi. Um, and then I've also studied on my own a variety of different martial arts. So that was like without a, a master instructor, just seeking out videos and seeking out books and just trying to get that knowledge for myself. I love it. I love it. It's so, um, it's so, uh, it, you know, it's so expansive. I think that the mind and body are so connected and that's, you know, it just, um, anything that gives you like having a physical, have a, having a strong mental strength when you have an ability to be regimented in yourself, it like not only mentally, but physically. So you get yourself to follow through with things um, and part of that is working out and exercising and building your physical strength and pushing your physical strength. And, and so, um, I love that. I love that you're like going, okay, well, this is what I learned and how do I look more outside the box? Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that some of the, the greatest insights into anything come from outside of the box. There's, um, a great book called Rise of Superman, which is written by Stephen Kotler. Um, he, he's really famous for digging into flow psychology. And in that book, he talks about um, all these different sport sports athletes is the main focus of the book and how the people who kind of made the biggest impact in their sport ended up finding the keys to those biggest impacts from other sports outside of what they were actually doing. I Absolutely. And I know that you talk a lot about leadership. And I think that that is a huge key to leadership also is that I feel like, um, and it's about finding that special something, you know, you see, when you have something that's unique, to me, it's that's a key to leadership is looking outside of the box and finding that unique thing that is your you and bringing that to the table. And so, um, and that's, I would say that every sport, if you look at anybody in sports and you look at, as you were talking about, but whatever it is, they find their own unique way of doing something that, that is specific to them. And it's not about copying what everybody else is doing. It's about finding that, that spot, you know, that sweet Definitely. spot. Definitely. And, and one of the most, in business, one of the most famous examples of that is Steve Jobs. Now, I don't think like Steve Jobs was like this ultra miracle person like a lot of people do. I actually personally am not an Apple fan. There may be some people who hate me for that. Uh, I, really yeah, I might be one I'm, of those. I'm going to. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm joking. You're, you're allowed to be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, but I love like, that. Well said. The, the genius thing with Steve Jobs, love him or hate him or, you know, what indifference about him. What he did within the phone industry was spectacular because he, he went into the phone industry with, with this concept where most people are thinking like, okay, the phone's got to be the next business extension, basically. And how do we make it more like a computer? And he said, no, 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 no. I think we should go in a completely different direction. He's more of a creative guy and a marketing guy. So he said, okay, how do we make the product more artsy? And he went into the music industry because he saw the MP3 player and he thought that's 
what would be the, the next big thing? And he dove into that and he made it look super sexy. At, it, at the time, it was one of the sexiest looking devices out there. And it killed as a product and it destroyed everything else out there because he brought his own unique talents to it. Absolutely. And I think that that's a huge, I think when, when somebody can bring their own unique talents and their own unique insights and, and really bring that to the table and, um, and then step into it fully. I mean, even in what I do, uh, you know, I work with the mind with healing. I mean, um, it's something that I never saw, like the things that I do now are things that I've never seen anybody do before. And it was just like, I, I just, I was like, okay, this should be possible based on what I've figured out. This should be possible. And now let me figure out how to do it. And so I think it's about having a vision and, and, um, and going after it. So I love that Steve, when you have a vision and you go after it, and it's something unique. Uh, it's powerful. There's power yeah. in it. There's huge power in it. Because um, there, there's a, another guy I like to follow. His name's Christopher Lockhead. One of his big things he talks about is niching down, right? It's about how do I create something that's completely unique so that I don't actually have competitors. And then once I bring that to the market, I become, I become the big whatever in that industry because there's no one else there, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I love that. And um, I, yeah, I, I love that. And it's also about obviously then rapid growth. Because once you do that, uh, you know, it's, it's really about then looking at how quickly to be able to lead and, yeah. and absolutely uh, grow and expand. Definitely. So, so let's dive into your backstory. Because, oh my goodness, you just at the, at the beginning of this, you told me a lot which is, I didn't know any of that, to be honest. I did not know all the, the difficulties you went through. So it's a, it sounds like it's a lot. You know, it, it is. And it was something that I never thought, I mean, I, I grew up with martial arts. I was always, I mean, I, the very first time I went to Junior Olympics, I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and that was the first time. And then, you know, national, a lot of different things after that. So I had been martial arts and amazing shape and competing like that was my life and um and then i got into network engineering but basically i had a uh, an accident i actually had two accidents and um a car accident and then a fall and i ended up disabled and like wheelchair walker cane on a good day um, I could get around with my wheelchair walker cane on a bad day i didn't make it out of bed i didn't want to um, I just, I was in so much pain. I didn't want to breathe. And yeah, that was my life for about seven years. Damn. And yeah, you, you never think that like I, that was the last place that I ever would have thought that my life would go. Um, and, uh, um, and they said that I went from like, you know, one specialist after another, after another trying to get better. And, um, everybody just said there was nothing they could do for me, you know? And I, I mean, I had, like nerve ablations, infusions, injections. I mean, they were trying to do whatever, but it's just, it was crazy. Yeah. So, so what did that do to you mentally? Because I, I think there's so many people, sometimes even including me, where when you're doing well physically, you can't even imagine what it's like to go from that, that healthy, standing, perfect state 
to like something isn't perfect anymore. Whether it's I can't walk, whether it's I can't use my arm, whether it's whatever it is for them, right? Like, how did you, how did that happen? Like, what happened to you mentally during that time? The best way to describe it mentally during that time would be to think of it like this. And then, yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster. It was, uh, I, I mean, I learned a lot of things uh, about my mind. Um, it, it, at first, I mean, it, seven years is a long time. So, I mean, at first it was basically like, okay, well, I just, of course, I just got to find the right doctor. Like, yeah, this one. Okay, well, let me just find a different one. And so that was this waiting game of trying to distract myself until the next specialist was, was three weeks out. Let me just get to them and they're going to be able to help me. And then, then they can't. And then the next one. And then it just becomes like every time your optimism starts to fade and then, um, and then you find yourself going and then every time somebody says no, you just crash and then you have no hope. And then when you have no hope, like when I went through the phase of, of no hope, um, and nothing to look forward to. And would I ever have a, a real future? And how could I live every day in so much pain? Um, even though I was on morphine, I was still in morphine and Neurontin and, and uh, Norco and Lidocaine. I mean, I was on so many medications and still in a lot of pain. And so I was like, I, like I, I think that as human beings, we always have to have something to be able to look forward to. And if like whether we're injured or not injured to stay out of if we can look at forward to something in life and we can be passionate about life, it can keep a smile on our face and it, it, it helps to put a smile on our face and, and keep our mind in an optimistic place. And, and so, um, I, I, when you don't like, I, w I was a mess. And so I learned, um, that I had to really, uh, I mean, it was part, like, it was just, it really got me into a place of just needing to find hope. And, um, there was all different types of phases. I mean, I finally, I just hoped that they would come out with like a new procedure and somebody would discover something new. And, and so I went and finally, like it happened. I thought, Oh my God, this is the best day of my life. I, the, the place I had been going to finally called me and said, Oh my God, there's a new trial procedure and you get to be a part of it. And I was like, Oh my okay. God, like God's answered my prayers. This is going to happen. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then, I got there and they basically said like, y you can't be a part of the study. We don't expect you to get better. And, uh, and I hit like my rock, rock bottom. Um, and then I got indignant. Then I got to this place where it was like, you know what, you can't figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And that's was a, a beautiful turning. So my rock bottom turned into my indignant determination to figure it out. And that was pivotal. Definitely. What would you attribute to your ability to not give up when, when all hope seems to be gone? What was it that kept you going anyways? Um, I would say that there, there's a few things. I would say that if I could see some, like I've always been somebody who's, who's, looked outside of the box. And if there was a possibility, then I was open to it. 
And so for a while I was like searching different supplements and I was like, oh, this supplement, oh, this diet, oh, blah, blah, blah. And so that kept me going for a while until everything kept failing. And then, <laughs> and, and then you get kind of like, well, you know, that's not going to work and you get there. But I would say that the, the, a turning point for me, it was um, a few things. It was, um, I, I had, you know, just always been an overachiever, somebody who looks outside the box for anything. I, I was somebody who, you know, I finished high school early, went to college early, all of these things. So I was always somebody who was willing to think outside the box. That was one thing. Um, I would say another thing is I started looking at, you know, finding the solution. And, um, and I started finding stuff that didn't make sense, like the placebo. I was like, well, wait a second here. If we know that the placebo has the ability to impact the body, then why aren't we using it? So it's not that, so maybe I still can get better because a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. And I started finding things that didn't make sense. Like somebody who's got multiple personality disorder can have different personalities when there are, I'm sorry, different ailments, different physical ailments, different body temperature, different allergies, different pain when they're in different personalities. Really? And yeah. <laughs> so all of this stuff, I started going, this doesn't make sense what we're doing. Or I mean, have you ever heard before that the body's constantly repairing and replacing itself? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. It's estimated that uh, even our bones take about 10 years or so, depending upon the study, to repair and replace themselves. And then I started going, well, how is it possible then for somebody to have that old football injury from high school if they're 50, if they're bones and everything? I started going, well, wait a second. Like, if the body's constant, like, a lot of, like, even MPD, you know, multiple personality disorder, when I started looking at that, I, I started just looking at a lot of things that didn't make sense because that research study actually made me start thinking about the placebo. And I was like, well, wait a second. If our mind has the ability to heal the body somehow, then there's got to somehow be hope. And if there was hope, then I couldn't give up. And so uh, that just became a, a journey of, of being willing to do whatever it takes to figure out the answer. Definitely. So it sounds like there's a couple of really important keys in that. One is looking for the opportunities, right? And the opportunities may not work out. A lot of the opportunities may not work out. But, but what it seems like is you went from one opportunity to the next opportunity to the next opportunity. And you kept finding more opportunities. Kind of like the, the new car effect. When, when you decide on a new car, all of a sudden you start to see that same car everywhere. And it's not that everyone just suddenly up in the blue bought the same car, right? It's that you just didn't have your focus there. And so because your focus was on getting better, you would find opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that had the potential to make you better. It may not have actually worked, but you kept finding new opportunities. Two, you just had a fighter spirit. You just didn't want to give up. Um, and, then, and then three, you, you looked for outside the box. Uh, you, you didn't just focus in on one area. You said, okay, well, I'm not finding success in this area. Where else can I find success? What other industry can I look for in success? Because when people are thinking about how do I heal my body, they're not necessarily thinking about the mind. They're not thinking about psychology. And so that's a, that's a field completely outside of it, right? And, and that's all fueled by curiosity, 
right? And, uh, and absolutely. Like, What's that? You feel I, I, yeah, I feel like that's a huge piece, curiosity. Just like, huh, this is odd. I wonder, and you kept digging. Absolutely. I think that there is a certain amount. I would say that whether you want to call it God, the universe, divine, um, I think that God is with us along the way if we just pay attention to it. Um, and I think that when we, uh, like, like for instance, that research study was really great in a lot of ways because it made me think all the way reading up to the research study, I was thinking, please don't get the placebo. Please don't get the placebo. I want the real treatment. And, and you know, and so having such a, um, a, a hope to get better, but then afterwards going, well, wait a second, the placebo, that's what made me start looking at the mind. Otherwise I would have not taken the mind seriously. And even then I was like, yeah, what are the chances that I can somehow figure out how to make the placebo work? And, and but you start seeing it and you, once you are willing to step outside of the, and, and get a new way of thinking. So, uh, you know, Einstein's famous quote, no problem can be solved by the same level of consciousness that created it. And so like, you know, you've been saying, and we've been talking about is looking outside of the box doesn't just mean avoiding what, uh, looking outside of what everybody else is doing. It actually also means looking outside of your own box and yeah. being willing to, look at things from a different perspective because a lot of times when people look outside of the box, they're still in their own box of beliefs and ideas. And so um, to me, the, the placebo and ever trying to heal that way and whatnot, um, you know, was ridiculous. And that was, I had a limited way of thinking at that time. I mean, when we stop and look at the body, what is the body made of? It's made of atoms. It's made of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, you know? And so when we stop, when, when I, first started looking at it, I thought, yeah, how is my physical, how is my mind going to heal my physical body? And so I had that limited way of thinking. And so what did I do? I specifically started looking at the atoms of the body and researching that and going, okay, well, let me think on that level. Let me dive into this way of thinking and explore this. Let me see where it is. Let me see where it's not. So that's when I started looking at MPD or technically multiple personality disorders now called disassociative identity disorders or DID. But either way, I started looking at objectively. So I didn't have to color it with my mind. Where is this? Where is this at? Where is it not? Is that true? Is it not true? Um, and, and the things that were obstacles for my mind, instead of avoiding them, I looked directly at them. And I think that that's key also is that like even in our medical system, you know, placebo doesn't really make sense to anybody mm -hmm. or uh, DID or multiple personality, that whole thing doesn't really make sense. And so we avoid it and pretend like it's not there. And instead I say, okay, if we can't figure something out, let me not avoid it. Let me look at that and make sense of it and see what's happening. So I think that that's, um, looking outside of the box, but also having the courage to look at the things that make us uncomfortable and the things that we don't understand uh, to move through it instead of avoidance. Definitely. I think that that right there describes a huge challenge that many leaders face. It's that this is the way we've always done it. 
right? And you bring this new idea to me. And well, it's not the way we've done, we've done it in the past, right? And, and so many companies just die because they're not willing to even think about what is the new things out there. They're not even willing to consider it. They're just like, we're going to continue doing it this way because it's the way it's always been done. And if, if they would just take a moment to consider the other possibilities, to consider maybe this new thing has some sort of validity, maybe, um, maybe this, this new person, even though they're brand new to the organization, maybe they actually know something that the rest of us don't, right? If, if they would just take a little bit of time to just consider something else, even though it may not quite register right with them at first, there would be so many businesses that would stay in business. There would be so many leaders who would have teams more dedicated to them because they're willing to actually be open to these new ideas. And I mean, I think innovation could be gigantic if, if that was a more common theme. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. And, um, and I would say, you know, I've, I've worked with different leaders personally with their mindset and, and different things like that with coaching, uh, like business and stuff like that. And I would say that um, that like, like exactly like you said, and, um, and, and I'm sure you would agree. Um, uh, there's, there's, I've seen a lot of avoidance of things like when people don't know something instead of actually trying to understand it and, and wrap their mind around it. A lot of times there is a level of avoidance, um, a level of not wanting to look at what they don't really understand and know, or even see that there's a problem. And instead what they do is they keep doing that, the things that they do know. And they keep doing them over and over. Yeah. And, and so a part of that one is, is avoidance and not wanting to admit that something may be wrong. And, and another part of it, I think is also tying back to what we were talking about earlier is curiosity, right? They're just not curious about what else is out there and it leads to their downfall. Absolutely. And um, I, I agree. And also, um, I would say, and also sometimes uh, fear of what's challenging. So sometimes it's, it's almost like, um, let's say that there's something we really don't know how to handle and we don't know what to do. A lot of times it's like all of a sudden, all of these procrastination, we'll have all of these tasks that we do know how to do will distract us from what we don't know how to do. Yeah. And you know, you know, Zach, I can tell by your laugh. Exactly you know, exactly. You know, you know not before and two, because <laughs> I have clients that have done that too. <laughs> yeah. I've never done that before. I'm perfect. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think we can, I think we can all say, you know, and, but it's funny because when you notice it, then you observe yourself and you go, Oh, wait a second. I can be, because I think being part of being a leader is also, having the level of self-awareness to say, Oh, I'm doing that. Like, let me own my own stuff and, uh, and say, okay, you know, that it's, it's great that it doesn't have to be about being perfect, you know? So I was joking yeah. around about being perfect, but, um, it's never about being perfect. It's about, uh, being willing to be imperfect or perfect and not having a judgment about it, but being willing to be flexible and, and to observe and, and continue to change. But that, that thing is, about going, oh, this is hard, and, and it's somehow like 
we end up with all of these tasks that we could do that are routine tasks instead of doing what's hard or what's outside of the box. And our brain would much rather be consumed by them. And we avoid, there's that level of avoidance. If I was to say, one of the main things that I've seen people fail at is that there's the hard thing, the challenging thing that they don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the area of avoidance instead of learning how to do it in an effective way. And or uh, even, even if it's not them learning how to do it, but finding someone else who knows more about it to guide them down that path, right? Whether it's like, you're physically injured and you need help getting uninjured, right? Like you've done, or like you're the, you're the business owner, right? And this happens with a lot of smaller businesses. And they're like, well, I'm afraid to do the marketing for my business. Okay, nothing wrong with being afraid to do the marketing. Go find someone who's better at marketing. And let but, them- but they don't have the money to do it. But they blah, blah, blah. And then it's, <laughs> you know, and it's then, always the, the next excuse. Yeah. But I well, don't have the... And then it's I don't curiosity. have this curiosity. Right? And, and then it goes back to curiosity and, and looking for new, 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 um, trying to get a, a fresh way of looking at it, right? Because so many people are like, I don't have enough money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's always a way to pay. That's the thing, right? There's always a way to pay, and pay isn't always money, right? Are you, success- are you suggesting prostitution right now? I'm not suggesting that. Okay, just check. I don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> should. Oh, there's a way to pay. Like, wait a second. I mean, I mean, you know, the, they're. I just figured I'd throw you off a bit. Go to, but you know what? People will do what they're going to do. And, but what I'm just saying is maybe you can do business trading, right? well, I have this service you need and you have this service that I need. Let's trade this business service so we can both grow. That's exactly. Or even being willing to just take the step of imperfection because a lot of people don't start because, well, then the, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to do this and it's going to have to be perfect. And it's going to cost me all this stuff. And you just go, wait a second, just next level it. Because once you do take a step, then there's a tweak, then there's a step, then there's, it's just sometimes just going, okay, what's that next simple step that I can do. And as long as I can get myself to start following through, then it's the next step, you know, it's just, but I think that, you know, like even in my, um, in, in what I do and in my own, uh, journey, I had to start seeing that like with MPD or even, um, like people as far as amputees still having pain. I was like, well, it doesn't make sense that an am- I, I literally thought to myself, oh my God, somebody who has no limb, literally so 80%, 80% chance, 80% chance that wow, they're still going to be in pain, right? Yes. And, I was like, what is it? So I could literally. Pain, right? Where, where yes. their arm is gone or their leg is gone and they're like, I still feel my toes and their toes obviously are not there, but they still feel it, right? It's that phantom pain, right? Exactly. So there's over 80% chance that like that it's still experienced. I'm going, wait a second. So there's like over 80% chance that I could literally cut off my body, amputate my body, which was obviously I wasn't being yeah, serious, but in my thinking, I, yeah. I was a bit jaded at the time and I'm like, great. So now I can literally <laughs> amputate my, and there's still 80% chance I'd still be in pain. What the heck? And, and, and so, but that again, made me look at the mind and go, 
if I cut off the source, it should be done, right? And apparently that's not actually true. Exactly. But what was great was that the more that I saw evidence that it, that it like led back to the mind, the more hope that it gave me. And so I think sometimes what happens is even on my days when I had no hope, um, it was hard to be happy. It was hard to like, I couldn't get myself to rally. I couldn't get myself to want to like, it was just like, let me just try to just avoid this day and like do whatever I can to just make it to the end of the day. And I think that, you know, depending where a person's at, like if somebody feels like, oh, there's no way to do this because of the marketing, or there's no way to do this because of this, then it's sometimes if that's where their, their mind is at, then it's just about getting the evidence to be able to get some hope. And then once hope springs, just like you mentioned the car idea, you start, once you start seeing the car, you start seeing more and more of it. So um, even what I do a lot of times today, because let's be honest, healing with the mind um, doesn't make logical sense to most people. And so a lot of times what I'll do when I'm giving a talk or on, on stage or, um, you know, in different things, I'll take people who've been in chronic pain for years and I show them how to, release it in minutes using just their mind. And I'll even do it under medical equipment so people can see it. They can experience this. So they're really like blown away by what they're capable of. And so I love to, to show people because then they go, wait a second, this is, it, it makes them to have to start to see what they couldn't see before. And so, uh, so I would say that's, that's also a big thing. A pivotal point is starting to see what you couldn't see before. So whether it's towards marketing or it's towards a, a, so a problem that's going on, maybe you can't see it in your own organization or your own business, but then going, okay, where can I start to see evidence of a breakthrough somewhere? And then, you know, and then it gives you hope to, to take it to the next level. And so, um, and maybe it's hiring the right person to help you get your mind there to help see the evidence to take it to the next level. And, and yeah. so, uh, but, but knowing a therapist or a counselor or a teacher or finding a new mentor, right? Exactly, because it, because if you can't get your mind to to be able to break through that barrier of the impossible, um, then quote unquote impossible. Exactly, whatever. I mean, marketing impossibility or this impossible, like whatever that stumbling block is. If your mind can't see through it, you're not going to be able to get through it. And a lot of times, that's the avoidance, and it's going okay. Well, let me just start to. Like you said, like, you know, hire somebody, get somebody, find evidence of it. Let me get my mind to start breaking through that barrier to the next level. And so that's, you know, um, that's obviously, you know, a lot of my leadership space is, is using the mind and, and using healing and understanding what the mind is able to do in our lives. And, you know, even if you look at the Bible, the Bible says a merry thought is a medicine to the body. Ill thoughts will dry the bones. And it, it, I mean, that's, and so when you start to look at that for a moment, you go, it's even like, so when I was looking around, I was like, it's even in the Bible. And so, uh, (laughs) and so, uh, so just, um, I think that, you know, breaking through and, and being willing to manage our minds to make it to the next level is so key. Definitely. So, so you start discovering all this crazy seeming stuff that doesn't make any sense to people. They're like, this is true, but we don't understand why it's true. It's there, but we don't actually understand how it works, right? So, so what is the next step for you? Because you, you've obviously built a whole system around these different kinds of concepts. 
how do you go from seeing the ideas, seeing these, these, these kind of strand ends per se, right? And pulling them together to build a quilt. Um, you, you, are you saying in general or in what I do or, or, um, what you do? yeah, you know, first and foremost, I got better for me. I literally, I never planned on getting into what I do now. Um, I literally thought it was all about, um, let me just, I, I, I was in survival mode. How do I get my life back? I didn't know if I had a future or no future because I knew I had no quality of life and, um, or low quality of life. I wouldn't say no, but, um, you know, the, the diagnoses that I had been given and different things like that, you don't, uh, it's, it, you, you just don't think, oh my God, like I can, <laughs> you don't really think you have a future. And so it wasn't about, oh, let me teach this to somebody. Let me start helping people. It was really just about, let me figure this out for me. Definitely. And then once I did that, well, and go ahead. Really quick, I think that is so important because how many people want to go out and change the world completely and they have no idea how to take care of themselves. Like that happens so much. And they're like, I want to build the next great thing. And then they can't even pay their bills. And, and it, it, it's on the airlines, right? What's one of the things they always say, put the light, put the breath mask on you before you put it on your child or the elderly couple next to you. And they say that, right? Because if you can't breathe, you can't help your child. Right. And if the, if the plane crashes, right, you have died. <laughs> Because you didn't put the life mask on first, and now your child or your elderly person is probably going to be stuck in the seat, and you can't help them anyways. So you put the mask on you so that then you actually have the ability to actually help the people around you. And then a lot of times, right, it, it's not just your kid right next to you, right, but it's the person asleep right next to them, or it's the elderly couple across the aisle from you. And instead of helping one person, because you helped yourself first, you have the ability to help far more people than you could have done before you helped yourself first. A million times over. I think that um, on so many levels, not only like you were saying, having the energy to, it, to do it and the ability to do it, but also the real know-how to do it. Like, yeah. you know, honestly, like I see a lot of, in truth, I see a lot of people in the healthcare industry or working in health that have bad health themselves and they have all these health issues and they're trying to help others and their results aren't, aren't that great. And it's like, they're not even healed them, themselves. And so um, you kind of go, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second here. And, and so, uh, you know, if you, <laughs> I don't want to say anything negative about anybody, but you just go, wait a second. And so I think that um, part of being any type of leadership is, being is walking your walk it's not the moment of leadership it's the day-to-day -day who you are in yourself who you are being in yourself and and really being able to get results and and, and doing that and i think that that's um that's where real knowledge comes from and that's where real um real strength comes from and so yeah and so that that's it, it was really all about me <laughs> it okay. was and, and things that I'm, I'm thinking of just real quick in, in my business, I have four main values. It's faith, family, freedom, future in that order. 
And then faith, the way I describe faith, there's, there's a sub value in there, which I say is excellence, right? And when I, when I talk about excellence, I say that mediocre is unacceptable, but perfection is unattainable. But by gradually getting better every day, you achieve excellence, right? And it's about taking the steps to make yourself better, to get to excellent, right? So that you can actually do everything you're trying to do. Uh, ab absolutely. And I think that um, there is, like when you say that, there is such a, um, when we look at perfectionism, uh, perfectionism, you get stuck in that. But when you go to mediocre, it means you're not bringing 100% of you to the table. Because exactly. anything, if that's the best you can do, then you are shooting for excellence. And wherever that is, there was a time when I did mediocre at everything, but it was my best. So it was my excel. It was my way to excellence. And I think, well, yeah, that, and, the, and but it didn't feel different. like mediocre. Yeah. Excellent different for different people, right? Excellent to, to one person may be being able to stand, right? Excellence to another person may be um, raising their business a hundred percent in the next year. Excellence to another person may be helping my child get from grade five to grade six, right? So excellence is going to be different depending on who you are. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. And I've, I've literally, I've had people where I've helped them take their business from losing millions. Uh, so even one person right now, uh, her business just made 130 some seven million i think this year um yeah. from losing 2.5 million two years ago and so that's uh <laughs> right there <laughs> that's called what that's called results right there absolutely and and even working with her it was what did we change her way of thinking her habits what she like her way of thinking willing to face the things that were she was avoiding willing to really shift it um willing to follow through with things but a lot of uh, self change, willing to grow, and uh, and so um, you know that's that's key, and that's what makes a great leader. And she, by changing herself in her company, really changed the rest of the company also in, in a huge way. And so um, her habits and, and all of that. But um, but going back to uh, my injury, it was like I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to get better myself, and then uh, and then. Um, and then it was all about, okay, well, once I do, I'm going to go back to doing network engineering and operations, and I'm just going to tell the doctors what I did, and I'm sure they're going to want to help everybody and all of these things. Because healthcare is going backwards. You know, it's uh, like even if you look at the last three years, age expectancy in the U.S. has been going backwards. So people aren't living longer. They're actually living shorter for the last three years. And not only that, but the amount of time that a person will spend in their life disabled is going up. <laughs> and the amount of people that are sick, no. And it was projected in the year 2000 that chronic illness would continue to increase for the next 30 years. And in 2015, they said, not only is that happening for the amount of people who are sick, but the people who are sick, the amount of people that have three or more chronic illnesses will continue to increase also. It's expected to almost triple until the year 2030. 
Well, you should see like it. it's crazy. terrible. That, that, that means something as terrible is happening in our medical systems. And why is that happening? If technology is improving and all of these things are improving, and, and the reality of it is it goes back to the insane way of thinking that it actually has to do with the mind. Because Okay, so as you, I think you, you mentioned at some point, but um, depression's at an all-time high. Yeah. And you start to look at the, the mind link between, there's, there's a lot of different things that go on with the mind. And, and that's why like a lot of people who've seen my TED talk, they're like, they, you know, when they start to see, oh my God, when you really break it down and you start looking at the mind, it's, it's profound. And kind of the, the way that I got into it was I was like, okay, look, I'm just going to heal myself. And then I'm going to give it to the doctors. They're going to want to do something with it. And then that didn't happen. <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, okay, well, look, everybody's going to think I'm crazy that I healed myself from that incredible, like that terrible injury. And now I'm great. Like I, now I'm working out with bodybuilders, lifting hundreds of hundreds of pounds and leg pressing and all this stuff. And, and they're like, you know, and so what I did is I wanted to show people how to be able to get results. And so I think, you know, part of what creates great leadership is establishing trust is just being honest and open and establishing trust and being willing to um, not just say, Hey, follow me, but say, how follow me. I can get results. And so it's really about showing people like, look, here's the results. And so what I did is after I got better and um, I, I wanted to show people, Hey, look, this is what you're capable of. This is what we can all, our minds are incredible. This is what you can do with your mind. And it may sound insane, but this is what you can do. And so I, um, you know, just started showing people of, okay, look, this is how you use your mind. And, and so, it, and it just kind of grew and, um, you know, it just, uh, so it, I think that, you know, just like you said, taking care of yourself first, putting your mask on, um, uh, being willing to, to grow and change and, and leadership, I think is something that you, um, you become, it's not something you be, it's something that you, uh, become. Definitely. Yeah. One of my beliefs is that kind of within personal development, right? The, the ultimate goal of personal development is to become a leader. I think that's what it is. It's not like the skill you learn, right? Like conversation, that's like a skill. Leadership's not necessarily a skill, it's a path. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's being willing to, to get on podcasts and learn what, what works, what doesn't, and, and to listen and to, and to really integrate it and to uh, become it, become the change, you know, to... Okay. Uh, to Look at look at all angles and, and really continue uh, to continue growing because I think that there are some people that they 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 uh, they have a sense of wanting to uh, lead and it becomes it comes mostly from ego instead of from passion and from self drive and from self change and self development and it all starts in a place of self development. Definitely. I would agree with that. And, and there's, there's one thing that I think is really interesting. I've been, I, I'm really good with numbers. Uh, it's not like a passion that I have, but I just happen to be good with numbers. Um, and so I, I did this thing one day because there, there's this concept of the 1% principle, 
right? That if you increase 1% better every single day, over time, you have dramatic change, right? Um, same concept goes with a penny, right? If I take a penny and I double it every day, right, at the end of a month, it, you're at like $10 million, right? It's that, that little change increases over time. And so what I did is I thought, okay, well, what happens if you have one day with a 1% increase and one day with a 1% decrease? And I would say a 1% decrease is where you don't actually actively try to improve yourself because the way life works, everything else around you is going to continue to improve even if you don't. So you're going to be behind 1% if you don't take a step forward, right? Now, if you take 1% better and 1% worse, in your mind, you would think that, oh, you're at the same place you began. But if you do the math, right, you're actually less than the one you were before. You end up with, yeah, so if you do one times 1.01 times 0.99, right, 1% better, 1% worse, you end up at 0.9999. You're actually a fraction worse than you were before. And I think that happens a lot in life. Interesting, which, by the way, if you think about it in a, uh, in a gra like in a in an actual okay like let's look where that is you've heard people before where they go through a process of losing weight and then once they lose weight they stop and then they end up gaining more weight back. yeah or plus work. some yeah yeah plus, there's the negative there's the negative one percent <laughs> they end up gaining it all back plus some yeah yeah so exactly. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think, you know, going back to the same point of leadership isn't a, a, a monumental thing. It's an everyday thing that builds exactly. and builds and builds. And it's who you are and who you show up and the way you show up every day that builds on top of and, and gets you to where it is that where you want to go. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. Okay. So, 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 so going into your story again. There, there's the step where, which I'm missing, is you were broken and then you were healed, <laughs> right? <laughs> you developed this in, in that time and it's like, how, how did you do that? I, um, you know, I, I went through this phase of going, okay, well, there's prayer healing and I tried that and then I tried like... Um, meditation and visualization and all of these things for years and mm -hmm. it didn't work and what you'll look at is you'll realize that people are like you know well let me let me meditate like there's no plan str strategy to it it's just like well let me meditate let me pray let me blah 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 but there's not really like a one two three four do this do this it's like let me try and hope this works let me try and hope that works and and can prayer healing work Yes, it's, I mean, it's been shown that they can in some cases work. Are there still a lot of people who pray for healing and it doesn't work? Absolutely. And let's be honest, that's what's true. Okay, so if it can work, but it doesn't always work, and there are a lot of people fail at it, and or meditation, yes, can it show some improvement? Absolutely. And a lot of people fail at it um, yeah. and don't get the health results. And I'm going, okay, so if it's possible, and the placebo sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Okay, so I know the mind somehow has this ability somewhere. 
let me figure out what it is that makes it work when it works instead of just shooting in the dark of going okay well let me pray this day let me visualize this day like I mean I was visualizing my house sounded like an ashram I'm like listening to healing music I'm doing all these things meditating sending my pain to the center of the earth asking God just praying turned into begging I mean all of this stuff and it didn't work and so being an engineer and being somebody who's very methodical, it was, that's what really said, okay, what do I need to understand? What do I need to understand about the mind? And then putting it in a step-by-step -step process. And so um, I would say something that was key is, um, is sometimes like there was parts where I was stuck, where I didn't know the next step and I didn't know what it was. But what I did know is that as long as I kept looking for the answers, somehow it was like a breakthrough came. And um, and so it would take me to the next level and, and really it ended up being like the next stuck place. <laughs> and so, uh, because I, I mean, I was doing, I was doing something that, um, you know, that I needed to figure out how to do and, and there wasn't really a, a book on how to do it. And so, um, even to this day, you know, I'll show people back to back to back how to get results with their mind and I've taken people who are paralyzed and for like 19 years seven years different amounts of time and show them how to start using their mind and their legs literally start jumping and um and so and you know I have people I have people who've been bedridden who are bedridden for years who are now doing marathons completely undiagnosed from everything all in learning how to use their mind to heal and, and so um God, universe, divine, whatever you want to call it, I, I think God is, is really, um, really made us as incredible beings. And, um, and I, I think that, the, you know, um, so it, it's just, it, it's powerful. But anyway, the point being is that I think that one of the ways that the biggest things is not giving up and deciding what my outcome is and doing whatever it took to just get there and keep breaking through until I got there and be open to look outside the box. So when you know where you want to go and you're just passionate about it and you're determined being not attached to the way it has to get done um, and being willing to uh, say, okay, this is my outcome and I'll do anything to get there. Kind of like if, if somebody said, okay, you've got to make it to the other side of town. So like, I, I mean, I live in West Hollywood and you know, in Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, it's my, my, main stomping ground so to speak LA so but if somebody said if I said okay look I need to make it to Malibu I need to make it to Santa Monica Boulevard or whatever I don't have to be attached to what street gets me there I want to take the best and most efficient way to get there but if there's a street that's blocked off I can take a different way if there's a street that's got a lot of traffic I can take a different way but as long as I have my destination in place and I think that you know when you when you get very clear on your vision um, and I was like, okay, look, I, I want to heal and it's just about not giving up. And so uh, that was the process is really, um, is really like, you, you know, you mentioned faith, um, God, universe, divine faith, whatever, like, um, I think that God's hand is in everything. And when we don't give up and we keep, um, and we keep perseverance towards something and really, really want it, as long as we're working towards it, the answers open up. You, you had to have that faith in yourself that you were going to get there. Even when the times were at the most dire, you had to keep that faith in yourself that you had the ability to make it out on the other side. All right. Yeah. I wouldn't say I had to keep it. I would say that <laughs> some days I had to cultivate it. Like yeah. some days it wasn't there. Yeah. So it, it was, it was about keeping it. 
uh, and sometimes creating it if it wasn't there, um, yeah. is knowing, know, being smart enough to know that I needed to get my mind there. Like I needed to remind myself all of the reasons that I could do it and all of the reasons that, you know, and then from that place, it's almost like the more our minds know that we can achieve something, the easier we, we can find the answers. And I guess the best way to uh, really think about that would be to uh, say that um, it just it just becomes more clear. Like if we've ever tried to think of somebody's name and we can't think of it, we're like, oh my God, what's, what's that person's name? What's that person's name? I'm so uh, guilty of that, by the way. <laughs> But it's it's like sometimes we have a a block towards our vision. Like maybe our vision, we just can't see the way to it. But mm -hmm. the more that we get clarity on it, the more we can get to it. It's like the answers open up. So like, you know that, like when you know something, but you can't, like you know that person's name. You're like, oh my God, what was that? Okay. Our mind does the same thing towards our vision, towards our dream, towards our goals, towards marketing or whatever that is. And the more that we can get our mind in the right spot, you know, even with, we can't think of somebody's name, we already know it. And so a lot of times when we get our mind in the right spot, we can see more clearly, more easily, and it helps to clear our mind to, to really get there. And you know exactly what, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> because I am, I am so guilty of doing that. It, it's been really bad and I'm getting better at it every day. But I, I still have work to do in that area. So okay, I'm, but are you doing the one percent? That exactly. There you it's go. One percent every little day, and I'll get there eventually. <laughs> where it happens very rarely. Um, but yeah. So 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 then, what does one have to do in their mind to be able to heal themselves? This is going to, in some ways, sound really stupid. That's okay. And really simple. You ready? Sometimes so I, I like to think that the simplicity is the, awesome. The sim the simplest things are the things that need to be focused on more, whether it's in business or health or any of that. Right? It's it's the simplest thing that's usually the key to all of it. Exactly, and we're just missing it. And so, like, if we look at it very simply, we've heard of somebody being embarrassed and their face turns red. Yeah. Okay. Or somebody having anxiety, racing heart, shortness of breath, okay? Or, exactly, right? Anxiety attack. Or sexual thought, sexual physical response, okay? Or there's, you've heard of scared to death. Mm -hmm. You've heard of bored to death. Now, yeah. if even freaking boredom can kill people, what Would about the rest it? of the emotions? Yes, bored to death. Bored to death is a real thing. Scared to death, a real thing. Or there's widowhood effect, where if somebody loses a spouse, a senior loses a spouse, they have a much higher rate of death. Or broken heart syndrome. Or failure to thrive in kids. And infants that don't get enough love can actually die. And so when you start to look at this for a moment, you go, well, embarrassed, anxiety attack, scared to death, bored to death. Well, what about hurt? What about anger? What about resentment? What about, what about all of those emotions, other emotions? And not only that, but what about the emotions that are stored in the subconscious mind? Mm -hmm. The fact that we can literally, uh, you know, uh, 
think back to like we can hear a song and all of a sudden we can remember what we were doing t- 10 years ago 20 years ago yeah first heard it exactly i mean i was at the gym today with two friends we were working out and then this like 80s song came around we're like oh my god what were you doing during this song and we were sharing that as we were working out and and immediately and we were all like just laughing going oh my god i was doing this oh my god i was doing that and so when you look at it all of those emotions are stored up and so what i basically found was that even at a subconscious level i mean when we look at the mind it's estimated, even neuroscience estimates that about 90 to 95% of our brain is operating at a subconscious, subconscious level. level. Yep, exactly. It, which is fascinating, right? It's like the, the processing power is like a thousand times more in the subconscious than it is in the conscious. It's crazy. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, as we walk around feeling like this small percentage is like driving our life when it's not, yeah. uh, but we, we, we perceive it that way. Mm -hmm. And so what I started looking at is I started going, okay, well, even if you think about it for a moment, okay, multiple personality disorder, somebody can have different ailments and different issues when they're in different personalities, starting to go, wait a second. And so what it made me realize is that it's not just specifically the emotion. So the emotion is a part of it. So like mm-hmm. if somebody's embarrassed, we can see their face turns red. Somebody's anxiety or bored to death, scared to death, you know, but we can also look at it and say, just because somebody's bored doesn't mean they die. Or there are widowhood effect where some people, their spouse dies and then they die shortly after. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes what is, they so, end up living for years and years and years longer than everyone else around them. Exactly. And we can look at it and we can also see like, okay, current studies will show type two diabetes, um, like loneliness. Okay. So loneliness has been linked. There's, there's different emotions that we can look at. And so basically what I found in my work is that there are key factors in the subconscious mind that link up. And then when they do, um, that's what's linked to any type of health issue. And so what I do to show people how to get rapid results is I just show them how to shift it. And then they get out of pain in minutes or their legs start moving or their blood sugar drops or, you know, if they've got high blood sugar all of a sudden, you know, and so I show them how to create this shift all in using their mind to do it. And what's profound is even if you look at studies from Harvard from 10 years ago, they showed that coronary heart disease, that just by having emotional vitality, so optimism, emotional vitality, that, that it reduced the chances of heart disease by about 50%. Now, if we take into the awareness that heart disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. and in the world, and you go, wait a second, emotional vitality reduced the chances of the number one cause of death by 50%? Huh. Now, real quick. Define emotional vitality. That's, I'm using the specific wording that they use, but if we look at a, a general sense, I, I, would, I would say that it's a general sense of being more optimistic, uh, more happiness. Okay. Um, and that would be, I would say that, um, I would say that I, I'm referencing their, their study, and this was by Laura Kubzianski at Harvard, mm-hmm. but I would say that, um, I would say that um, that there's 
even more going on, but I'm just looking at a, a bigger study. So yeah. when I take somebody and I show them how to release pain in minutes or something like, like there are key things that I see in the subconscious mind that have to be shifted so much so that I can take people back to back to back and show them how to release pain consistently or make changes in their body consistently by using their mind. And, or even if you take it back to the Bible, so we've talked about emotions, you take it back to the Bible, a merry heart is a medicine to the body. Ill thoughts will dry the bones. And so the problem is, is how stupid does it sound that it's emotions? And not only that, but people again go, well, this isn't an emotional thing. Like I have blah, 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 but who knows what's in their subconscious mind because it's, below consciousness and so yeah. it's for somebody to say this can't be emotions oh so you know what's in your subconscious mind but <laughs> because you know it's in your below conscious mind your conscious mind is saying no it can't be and you're sure of that but you know what's in your like you know and you start to look at it um it, it all sounds ridiculously stupid but when you think about it for a moment and you start to look at it you go wait a second Depression's at an all-time high, um, and you start to also look at the awareness, like um, you know, a, a few things. You start to look at the awareness that in 2016, suicide suicide became the leading, the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34, and the fourth leading cause of death from somewhere around it's like 35 to 55, and that happened. And so, when you start to look at people's mindset and that we're not great with the mind and you start to go like you go well we've got to be great with emotions and all of that well actually we're terrible at it and look at the amount of people on antidepressants and you start to look at depression being high and then illness and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that go it, it can't possibly my knee injury my back injury my blood sugar my blah 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 no this is a they say no it's a physical issue which is always cracks me up when people say no it's a physical issue because then you go back to the awareness that the body's made of atoms and carbon and hydrogen. <laughs> and so you start to look at it and go, the body's actually made of, of energy. And so, um, and so it's, it's really about um, going back to Einstein's quote, you know, um, no problem can be solved by the same level of consciousness that created it and really getting a different level of consciousness, a different level of awareness. So it, it sounds stupid that it could be emotions but it also sounds stupid that somebody could die from boredom bored to death really think yeah. about that you know and, and the thing is on the the one end we actually accept it's possible because we see people who go into retirement homes and and then they die pretty quickly after they go into a retirement home or or like they their partner dies and then they get emotionally distraught and before you know it they've died or, or, and I've seen this one happen multiple times. Someone contracts cancer and they give up on life and their conditions get worse. And then someone talks to them and gets them out of their funk and all of a sudden they don't have cancer anymore. I've seen that happen in my, in, in my family. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing, right? Yeah. And so, uh, absolutely. And, and so when you start to look at it for a moment, um, it, it's really, it becomes looking outside of the box and, and realizing um, that we're amazing. And what's beautiful is, is a few things. First and foremost, and people would look at it and go, well, I'm happy and, and all of these things. And it doesn't necessarily mean 
if somebody's happy, they don't have, they can't be sick because yeah. it's again at a subconscious level. And so it doesn't always necessarily mean that person's in a huge funk, uh, though it can be. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's not as, uh, as obvious. And, um, but it's what's exciting about it is that when we really address what that is and heal in this way and address whatever's in the subconscious mind, our subconscious mind controls our life. It changes our life. So we basically, we address what's in the subconscious mind. It affects our life and our outcome. And it's like literally the person that I am today and the way that it changed my life personally is something that I never thought would happen. I mean, I, I was raised Lutheran. Um, and then I got away from all of that. I was like, I was raised with the punishing gods. So then, you know, um, like you bump your knee or your toe or stub your toe or anything. Like that. God has punished you. And by the age of like 15, I was like, I don't want anything to do with God and all these punishments. <laughs> yeah. When, when someone presents you that, you know, everything is always downward, right? It's, it's hard yeah. to follow something that's always downward. And now Absolutely. I'm a Christian and that's not how I see God. And I read the Bible completely differently, but I understand how people can read the Bible in that way. Absolutely. And that's how I actually, it, it made me come back to spirituality. But at that point, I mean, at like age 15, I was like, I don't want to do with anything with this God and this punishment yeah. God and I'm going to hell and, and everything else. And <laughs> like, I had one thought, thought year ago, it's damnation for me and there's no hope. Right? Yes. Totally. Like everything I did, God has punished you. God has, I was like, well, I don't even know what I did, but it somehow. And, and so I was, I mean, I was screwed. And so, uh, and so, uh, but going through this injury. And so I had just become very, very analytical and network engineering yeah. and, and all of these things. And, and not only did it help me come back to a, a spiritual energetic sense of awareness of energy and the mind, um, but Something that's amazing is a lot of times in our life, people don't really change for real. And yeah. what I mean by that is, is that let's say somebody has an anger problem. And so they like, and this is just an example, but let's say somebody has an anger problem and they're like, they get upset and they punch a hole in the wall. And then so in our culture, what happens is that then they go to anger management and hopefully then every time they get angry, they just go for a walk. Yeah. Now, while it's great that they no longer punch holes in the wall and now they go for a walk, the problem that I see is they're still having the same emotional pattern experience of feeling angry. And that they're becomes a pattern. They're just, not, they're just handling it in a different manner. Yeah, which of course is better. It's better for their hand. It's better for the wall and whatever relationships or kids that they have. So much and better improvement. Because you don't have to fix it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your finances, money's better, hands better. <laughs> Don't have to get a cast, you know, all kinds of things. But so a lot of improvement, of course, but I want to have a joyful experience, a happy experience. And so uh, prior to my injury, I felt like I was already a happy person. And the level of joy and happiness and connectedness to God and universe, but the level of joy and happiness that I experience on a regular basis now in my life is far beyond what I ever thought was possible. And it's because addressing things in the subconscious mind, really creating these shifts and as ridiculous as it may or may not seem, it's huge on every level. I mean, my, the way that who I am, um, 
my relationships, my life, every part of my life has changed as a result of that. And it's, and it not only that, but it taught me how to change myself. And when we change ourselves and our way of thinking, it, it changes our life. You know, Einstein would say, you know, imagination is the preview of life's coming attraction. And it's not just conscious, it's subconscious. And so when we really change our mind, uh, we change our life. And so I, my goal was to change my health. And the outcome of that, as I changed my mind, was not only did I change my health, I changed my life, I changed who I was, um, and it became the biggest gift of my life. And, um, and so it's just profound. Definitely. So, so part of what you're talking about is, is essentially hacking into the, the subconscious. And that may not be the, the technical term, but that's how I like to think about it. So how does one go about hacking into their subconscious? Um, you know, it's a little bit different for everybody, but as far as um, hacking into the subconscious, I would say, obviously, uh, one thing is, is really um, having a lot of self-honesty, um, mm -hmm. a, a lot of self-awareness. Um, and I would say that, I would say that if I'm honest, I would say that hacking into the subconscious mind is um, is in some ways, it's about self-honesty. It's about really understanding the mind. You know, um, I, I would say that there's multiple aspects of it. It would be like if I said, how does somebody go about programming a computer? Mm -hmm. You would say, well, um, I, you know, learning how to do it, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, components. There's a lot of components. So it, it depends on the person. I would say that um, I would say that first off, adding in positivity is important. Like one of the things that we do in life, if you look at um, if you look at the way our counseling works, somebody has a depression or an issue or whatever or stress, if they go to therapy, they go to therapy and they sit there and talk about it. Okay. But when do we ever program in happiness? When do we ever put that in? It's like if I if I got rid of my couch, would I expect a new one to just jump in its place? I'd have to go get it. Yeah. And you know, when we look at people for a moment, some people have patterns of being funny. Some people have patterns of being kind or loving or sweet or thoughtful or happy or joyful or excited or elated or vivacious or, you know, everybody there's positive emotions, but even when we look at positive, it's not just happy. It's what is that pattern? And so what happens is it's like, it's like somehow we go think that we go talk about the negative and talk about the negative and talk about the negative and somehow vivacious is going to pop in or happiness is going to pop in or something. Gonna, it's like magic of oh, kind. What do you know? Kind just jumped into your mind. It's like, if I speak enough German, then maybe I'll know Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever you want your mind to know, you have to teach it. You have yeah. to get it in your mind. And so, uh, and so I would say it's not only about hacking into the subconscious mind. It, it's literally, if you were to summarize it, it would be about learning how to bring in the specific positive, learning what drives your mind, and then also understanding and identifying what's in the subconscious mind and getting it out. And so a lot of people will go, oh my God, so there's something in my subconscious mind and I want to get it out. And that's their whole goal. And it would be like, well, wait a second. Because if we think about it this way, if we say, okay, look, if a negative emotion or thought or feeling is already bothering a person mm -hmm. do we want to dive right into that emotion and problem or 
you think we want to start adding in the positive first? So it, to me, it's, it's always a balance and usually it becomes about first going, okay, what do we need to add in and identifying specifically what that is? Because I always want people to go from here to here to here to here and it becomes a process of adding in the positive and the right positive and then also getting rid of the negative and so it, then it becomes a, a process of, of growth. Definitely. And, and, and there's, there's a few things I can think of with this. Um, one of the things that it makes me think of is from the one thing. Uh, with the one thing, they talk a lot about habits, right? And if you want to stop a bad habit or, or, or a habit you no longer want, one of the things they talk about a lot is don't just try and get rid of that habit. Try and install a new habit instead of that habit. Right. Because a lot of times when you just leave it kind of blank. Right. Um, there's the, the the gap is still there. Like you're saying the, the the couch hasn't come back yet. Right. And so now it's just this blank spot. And so commonly what people do is whatever they just took out because it's still blank and they want something there. They put it right back. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then. The other thing I think about, I had an interview with Jeff Jones, and he, he works with families in addiction. And he has this thing he calls the spotlight diagram. So basically, the, basically within the family unit, families tend to focus on one thing, right? And whatever that thing is, it's in the spotlight, whether it's a good thing with their grades or, you know, how well their job is going, or it's something negative, like addiction, which is what he deals with, Right. A lot of times people have that person in the spotlight that's facing the addiction. They take that person out of the environment and put them in through like rehab for 60, 90 days, whatever, right? And then that person comes back, right? And that hole is still there. That spotlight is still there. Mm -hmm. And then the person ends up back in that addiction because the focus is still there. Absolutely. And it's about, um, about creating a replacement. I mean, if somebody went to go get rid of their fridge and so they were like, okay, I'm going to get rid of their fridge and there's not a new one. They'd be like, no, give me back my fridge. I still need this. <laughs> yeah. I need a fridge. <laughs> food to be cold or I need to go to the grocery store every day. And that doesn't sound like an option I want to do. Exactly. Exactly. And people even do that with food. They go, I'm going to get rid of this junk food. I'm not going to eat it anymore, but they never really decide on what new stuff they're going to eat and like. And so, yeah they start going back to that same old food because it's a habitual way of being and their brain is so looking hungry. for the answer. <laughs> exactly. So what food, right? It's, it's midnight and they're like, I don't, I don't want to eat ice cream anymore, but I'm really hungry and there's still ice cream here. So I guess I'm going to have ice cream, even though I know it's not good for me. Exactly. Exactly. So um, just, you know, um, making sure to, to really understand it and find a replacement and find a replacement, bringing in the correct positive, uh, because once that's in place, it makes it so much easier to change. Definitely. And, and I'm, I'm curious as to what you think on this concept, because it's one that I've been playing around with in my own life. Um, is there a way you can, in, in your, your, experience in all the work that you've done in the studying you do where you can take what is normally considered a bad emotion and use your subconscious to make it something positive yes and yes 
And no, it depends on what context you're putting it in. So the thing of it is a lot of times that the only, the only reason that a negative emotion runs in the first place Mm -hmm. is because your mind already thinks it's positive. So in other words, let's say somebody has a a habit of being angry. They feel like if they get angry, then they're going to get their way. Or they feel like if they get angry, you know, somebody's going to, so there is always anything that is in our mind always has a positive link to it. Like our brain is always trying to help us. And like, I mean, has your brain ever just like run you off of a cliff just randomly? Oh yeah. But I mean, but it's doing it for a reason. And so meaning uh, like a physical cliff, your brain has never taken you to the edge of the cliff and just dumped, jumped you off the side of a mountain, right? Like an actual mountain. I mean, I, I used to do snowboarding, so I, I have gone <laughs> to the top of a bowl and looked down and be like, my brain's all like, go for it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for it. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's about, the I've been to that, but not like, yeah, not like a yeah. sure cliff, like with no hope. Yeah, like this is the thing. Like, okay, if you tried to cut yourself right now, how easy yeah. would that be for you to just take a knife and cut yourself? I mean... Physically, like technically speaking, it's a very if I had, concept. No, 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 no. But I could exactly to do it. Exactly, because our brains are always trying to help us. So even if you think about the cutter, for example, there are people who cut themselves, and it gives them a feeling of reassurance, or feeling of safety, or feeling control, and, and they actually do that. Okay, for most of us, most of us, the idea of trying to actually cut ourselves, we could it would be very hard to get ourselves to do that and point being is that everything the brain does it does because it feels like it's helping us and so uh, like on a on a real sense not snowboarding or anything like that on a real sense our brain doesn't say oh there's a hole let me go fall in it or there's a cliff let me walk right off of it instead if we got close to a cliff we'd have reflexes if a ball was thrown at us we duck on purpose why because our brain is linked up to try to help us if something's thrown at you you catch it you duck you move we have reflexes that are automatically so fast willing to try to help us and so what happens is if we have a reflex to being mad if we have a reflex to anger if we have a reflex to a certain emotion it's because at some level of the mind we feel like it's helping us and and so what happens is that uh, when you say is it possible to take a, a negative emotion and uh, turn it into a positive? It really depends on the context because there's for it to already be there. There's already some type of reward link in the mind for it to be there. So if somebody gets angry, they feel like they're going to get their way. Or if somebody gets angry, they feel like they're in control again. And so it feels safe. So there's, there's, um, so there's reasons, but if you actually take a negative emotion and you're wanting to, make it into a positive that um, you'd actually just have to get rid of the negative emotion and bring in an actual positive emotion. Yeah. The, the reason I was asking this, cause you went in a completely different direction than my mind was going, which was awesome because you, you brought in a whole different insight I wasn't even thinking about, but, but I had uh, the, this experience the other day where um, I'm doing um, heart rate variability training and, and heart coherence is, is technically what I'm working on, which is trying to align the heartbeats um, and, and the, the timing in between heartbeats with the mind and with your breathing. 
And so it, it's basically trying to align all your inner workings. And the, the science that's shown behind this shows that it being able to do that creates a lot of peace in your life and, and better uh, emotions in general. And so I, I was going through this process um, and there's a monitor that connects to your ear. And um, when I started the process, I was feeling kind of sad and it was, my scores were really, really low. Like my hope, my coherence was like not there at all. Right. And then I had this moment where I said, well, at least I have the ability to feel sadness because I had this, this period of my life where I really didn't have feeling at all. Like I knew I should have feeling in certain circumstances, but I just didn't feel. I remember how terrible that was at that time. And so, so being able to say, at least I can feel sadness all of a sudden, my coherence shot sky high. It was crazy. Some of the highest scores I've ever gotten. And so that's what I had going in my mind is how do you take that, that negative emotion and, and turn it into something positive? But there's, I, I definitely see a place where it can get really dark if you try and do that. Can I speak to that? Yeah, definitely. Please. I would say that what you did is you didn't turn it into a different emotion. You actually felt growth. And you're somebody who loves and strives to grow and to be better and to make yourself better and better. And so when you felt that feeling of at least I can, there's the optimism, that improvement and that growth. So there was a reward. And so I would say you shifted emotions to a different emotion. So it wasn't about changing it into a positive. It was like, you're kind of like this. If I was like sad and I was like, you know what? At least it's beautiful outside. And I did such a great job yesterday at blah, blah, blah. And this then instead, what I did is I brought in a different emotion. And I'd say what you did, okay. especially because you're somebody who's all about improvement and growth and the 1% and continuing to build on the to next level and excellence. Yeah. And so, but you, you started observing your growth and your excellence and your one. And so you're like, you know what? Yes. And so part of what that is. So when you look at it going, okay, well, acknowledging myself more will help me get to where it is that I need to go and really just feeling that. And Fantastic. so, um, absolutely. I, I love that because, because it, it, it completely changed the, the dynamics of what happened there um, from what I was thinking was happening, which is the conscious versus the subconscious of what's actually happening. Yeah, it was, it, this is the crazy thing is that a lot of times when we look at emotions, we look at them in a logical way. Okay. Uh, kind of like this. Um, uh, you love your mom, right? Yes. Dearly. <laughs> Dearly, okay, have you ever been mad at her? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, She's now when you were mad at her, exactly, right? <laughs> I, I've never been mad at my mom before. In case you're listening, mom. <laughs> and she's never, never been mad at me. I mean, since I'm perfect and all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So anyway, back to reality. Um, so totally. So we've all been there before. We like love our moms and we've been mad at them and our moms have been mad at us and they love us and, and, you know, and, and children or friends or whatever. But when you were loved her and you were mad at her, did you stop loving her? No, never. Bingo. And so we can love somebody and we can be mad at them at the same time. We could, um, 
we could totally like uh, we can be happy uh, like have you like if you've ever heard somebody say oh that's bittersweet you know we can feel so many mixed emotions and a lot of people go well if I'm happy then I'm this it's like we can feel so many different mixed emotions at the same times and a lot of times we do like for instance some people have this belief that says like if we take money for instance so I work with people with different things with their mind uh, some people will say well if I make a lot of money everybody will hate me so they have that belief if I make a lot of money everybody will hate me and they'll be jealous you know and then they'll have a, a, a simultaneous belief that says and if I make a lot of money somebody will marry me only for my money wait a second I thought you said everybody was gonna hate you for your money and now you're saying they're just gonna like you for your money and they're just gonna marry you for your money yeah. which one is true that doesn't make sense and they don't have to so a lot of times what happens with our minds is we get all of these conflicting beliefs and it would be like literally trying to drive a car and go south and north at the exact same time meanwhile going west part of the time you'd be like what and so a lot of times when we're looking at going towards our vision or our dream or our passion or our business or our health or whatever it is we have so many conflicting things that it's like we're literally trying to go north and south at the same time with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake and going god i can't figure out why i'm stuck and you just uh, <laughs> the car when you do that right it's like <laughs> yeah well no people go like I'm stuck in life and I don't understand why and I feel like I'm stuck in a rut or I feel like there's no way out and it's like yes because one foot's on the gas one foot's on the brake you're trying to go north and you're trying to go south and you're telling yourself that you know and so it's it's and not only that but you have your refrigerator that you don't really want to get rid of and you get rid of it for a moment but then because you haven't brought anything new in you're gonna pull it back in the same sense and, but why isn't this working there's an easy way to do it and it just takes about understanding so um, so it's also, um, yeah, about as far as emotions, just like you said, you know, just one emotion never turns into another emotion. So sadness doesn't turn into happiness. Love doesn't turn into hate, but we can run both simultaneously. Um, and sometimes simultaneously and a lot of times simultaneously subconsciously, just like the, the money example of going, okay, well, everybody's going to hate me if I make money. By the way, people are only going to like me for money and somebody will only marry me for money. Then you go, wait a second. People are only going to like you for your money. But by the way, people are going to hate you and be jealous because of your money. And it, it, like when, a lot of times, you know, people, when they start exploring their beliefs for change, they go, wait a second this is all conflicting and it doesn't make sense no wonder why I feel confused no wonder I feel that like that thing of not being able to think clearly about how to get to the next level it's because my programming at a deeper level is keeping me think from thinking clearly to get to the next level definitely you know, and 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 from what it, it seems like it's the subconscious emotions that you're feeling that you don't recognize that you're feeling that actually end up having the bigger impact overall like if subconsciously you're depressed, but you're with your friends and your friends are the only thing that make you happy, but you still have that underlying depression underneath of it, or right. Your subconscious is really happy and excited about the future and you have a moment of sadness, right? But overall you're still really happy. It's that subconscious that really drives where you're going. Mm -hmm. hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the subconscious mind, again, you know, 90 to 95% of the subconscious mind um, is, uh, you know, it, 90, 90 to 95% of our brain is being run by our subconscious mind. And it, um, it really 
fuels the direction of our entire life. Definitely. So, so, so Brandy, I know you've got another meeting coming up and I could honestly talk to you all day because this this is absolutely (laughs) fascinating. Um, If people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? The best way would be to go to my website or my TED talk. um, And uh, my website is brandygilmore.com. And uh, Gilmore has two L's. So it's brandygilmore, G-I-L-L-M-O-R-E.com. Awesome. And what's the name of that TED talk? It's called, Could This Be the Missing Link to Your Health? And, uh, And it's at a TEDx Santa Barbara. There you go. Awesome. Um, so thank you so much, Brandy. Really appreciate it. Cody, you are so fun and you're so wonderful. And, and I love, I just, you know, it has been fun and I love how you keep it real. Like, it's just like a conversation of like, let's not, let, let's just keep it real. What, what's real and the authenticity. And, and I love that. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Cause it, you know, that, to me, that's what people are really looking for in life is what, what's the reality of all this nonsense that's happening? Because there's, there's so much nonsense. There are so many people that just put on this, this face of being perfection. And, and like, I know perfection is not real. I know I'm not perfect. I know you're not perfect. And I don't expect anyone to be perfect, right? Because it's ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but, and that's what I love is what's that saying, uh, shoot for the moon, end up among the stars, you know? And so just, or like you said, you know, shoot for excellence, you know, and just, it's, you strive for it. And it's just, as long as you really strive for it, it just continues to make you better and better. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brandy. I'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Cody. Have an amazing rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please make sure to go onto your favorite podcast player of choice and there rate the podcast, then subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And then if you truly want to be a leader, share this episode with someone that you know will be impacted because the best leaders fuel not only themselves, but others as well to their heroic potential. If you want to unlock your heroic potential faster, then you will want to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders who are dedicated to unlocking their heroic potential, unlocking the heroic potential of others, and where legendary leaders are born. We also have a goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofits that are actively undertaking causes to impact future generations, including in areas of neurodiversity, character strength, positive psychological research, homelessness, and more. Seize the call now. Go to www.theleadership.guide and click Get Free Guidance Now to propel you on your journey to legendary leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, and I'm honored to have spent this time with you today. My final message for you and listen closely. It's time. Wake up your heroic potential. Let go of your fears and anxieties, and let's discover what is possible on your journey to become a legendary leader. Emerge and become who you were meant to be.